SBS Audio is supported by advertising. You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonzalez. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 10th of January 2024. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Hebe Chen from IG Markets for her take on what's going to happen on the share market in 2024. But first, to inflation, which has fallen to a two-year low. The monthly inflation indicator from the Bureau of Statistics eased to 4.3% in November, increasing the chances the RBA may be done with lifting interest rates. Of course, the RBA's inflation target is between 2 to 3%. For more, I spoke with Catherine Birch, a senior economist at ANZ. So, Catherine, how would you describe the inflationary pressures in Australia at the moment? Well, the good news is that inflation continues to ease. So we saw the monthly CPI indicator in November at 4.3%, so down sharply from the 4.9% in October. The second piece of good news is that we're seeing inflation ease across a broader range of goods and services as well. So people should be seeing prices start to, price growth at least, starting to ease across a wider range of, of things that they're buying out and about. Can you go into a bit more detail as to what kinds of things we're seeing in easing in prices? So we saw, for example, uh, fuel, automotive fuel uh, is in decline at the moment, Uh, obviously still quite high if you are at the petrol station, but it has come down from those peaks and that's reflecting the lower oil prices that we're seeing. We're also seeing some deflation in clothing and footwear, particularly over November when we had the Black Friday sales. Um, And more recently, recently, we've seen prices for household goods and services come down as well. On the flip side, where are we seeing price pressures coming from then and what's likely to slow the decline of inflation? So if we're looking at the different categories, there's still quite a bit of price pressure in the housing category. So if we look at rents, for example, rents rose by 0.7% in November. That's a very strong rate uh, and reflecting the very low level of rental vacancies that are still out there in the market, making it really hard for people to to find somewhere to live. Um, And that pressure looks like it's not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. We've also seen a pickup in things like construction costs of new dwellings they were coming down and they look like they've started to pick up again and again it's sort of a challenge to get the houses that we want to build actually built Um, and also if we think about utilities uh, electricity prices have been um, lower than they otherwise would have been more recently because we've seen a lot of governments paying credits to households to help deal with electricity bills But as the effect of those credits wane, electricity prices are likely to rise sharply in early 2024. So while overall um, inflation is easing and heading slowly to the RBA's target of 2 to 3%, the source of these price pressures which you've mentioned, housing, construction costs, electricity, I think even um, insurance costs are up year on year. Is it a concern that a lot of these are domestic rather than international? Certainly there's still some evidence that domestic demand is a bit stronger than the RBA would have liked, um, hence why they have raised the cash rate by so much to 4.35%. And while we think they're likely to keep the cash rate 
um, where it is for an extended period. They want to continue to see domestic demand slow to enable demand and supply to come back into balance and therefore ease those inflationary pressures. But things like, for example, insurance um, costs, which have been rising very sharply, I think that's something like that is not going to be so much affected by what the RBA does because it has been, we think, more affected by some of the um, disasters and severe weather events that we've seen over the past couple of years that are flowing through to those premiums. Okay, so overall, um, this is just an indicator of inflation. We'll get the more detailed quarterly result later this month. What's that now likely to show and what are the implications for interest rates as a result? Well, we think that based on the October and November monthly data, that the Q4 CPI data is going to come in sort of at or below the RBA's current forecast, which is 1% quarter on quarter. Now, that's important because the RBA has very little tolerance for inflation actually exceeding its forecast. It doesn't want inflation to come down more slowly than it expects. When inflation doesn't come down as fast as they'd like, we see what happened in November where the RBA raised the cash rate. So because inflation looks like it is declining sort of in line or uh, a little bit more quickly than the RBA has forecast, that suggests that the RBA won't have to hike the cash rate in February. So looking um, further out, what's the direction for interest rates then? And if there are going to be cuts from here on in, when? Well, we think that the RBA is going to continue to keep the cash rate on hold at 4.35% until late this year. A big reason for that is that uh, it doesn't want to repeat some of the events we've seen in history where inflation has been coming down, getting back towards the target, but then policy is eased too soon and inflation actually picks up again. So we're expecting that the first cash rate cut will come uh, in November 2024. But we also think that there'll only be a few cuts. We don't think we'll see the cash rate get anywhere close to that 0.1% we saw during the pandemic. One of the reasons for that is that we should see fiscal policy become more supportive in the second half of this year. We've got the um, tax cuts coming from the 1st of July, and we also think that we'll see some fiscal support coming for lower-income households in the May budget as well. So that should support households and actually mean that the RBA won't have to cut, cut the cash rate as much as it would otherwise. Catherine Birch there, the Senior Economist at ANZ. To the Australian share market now, which fell today, the S&P ASX 200 down 0.7% to 7,468. I spoke with Hebe Chen from IG Markets and first asked her how the markets reacted to today's inflation numbers. So the Aussie market actually did not have a good start today. It's just starting with a dropping about 0.3%. But after the inflation report had been reviewed, the market sort of bounced up marginally, um, about 0.2%, but then it fell down again after the midday. So what I take away from that is that even the inflation rate due sort of cooler than expected, but the fact is that it's still sort of quite high away from the RBA's target zone, and there's chances that even though we can see that the RBA will likely to pause the interest rate in the upcoming meeting, but what the market really, really want to know is when the RBA will say that, yes, we're done, let's talk about the rate cut. So I think the markets do still feel a bit disappointed about that timing is not yet coming yet. So which sectors are moving the markets the most? So back on today, we do have seen the mining sector is the one that got the most heat. It's dropping 
roughly about point one. I'm oh, sorry, about one point five percent. Especially the big players like BHP, like Rio Tinto, like FMG, they're all dropping more than one point five percent. And the biggest driver for that, I think, is because after five days of decline in the commodity prices, and the market is also getting quite cautious ahead about this U.S. CPI as well as China CPI. In the green zone, we only have the three sectors enjoy a bit of a margin again. The health sector performed the best, about 0.6% gain today. So you mentioned some of those miners, but uranium is having a moment in the spotlight. Stocks like Paladin, Boss, uh, a couple of the best performers on the ASX 200. Why and what's your take on this space? Yes, you're right. The ASX uranium do have a good week this week and the major catalyst is that the U.S. Department of Energy is saying that they are looking to establish a domestic supply of uranium, just trying to sort of get um, get rid of a reliance on the Russian supply. So I think that sort of opened a big door for the Aussie players, sort of potentially they'll fill the big gap there. And that's probably the one the big reason we're seeing the market too quite optimistic about the outlook of this particular sector in the Australian market. And finally, this is the first time I'm speaking with you this year, so I'm keen to know where do you see the opportunities for investors in 2024? Well, I think as we all know that 2024 will be like a big year that we're seeing the monetary policy shifting. And often if you're looking for the history, there will be a good year that if you're looking for the currency. And at this sector, I think I'm positive on the outlook for Aussie dollar as well as Japanese yen. For Aussie dollar, what my, my confidence is coming from the view that the, I think by the end of this year, the gap in between the U.S. interest rate and Aussie interest rate will be quite much similar with all looking at like a 4.3% to 4% of interest rate. So the chances for the premium for the U.S. dollar compared to the Aussie dollar will be likely to fade by the end of this year. So there's a quite good chance we're seeing the potential for Aussie dollars to sort of regain its strength. On the other hand, the Japanese currency is quite similar. We are Everyone's looking for Japanese Bank of Japan to sort of exit their control for the yield curve and potentially to push up the interest rate sometime this year. And that will definitely change the landscape in the USD compared to Japanese yen quite substantially. And I think that will be quite a big opportunity coming from if you are interested in the currencies. That's Hebe Chen there from IJ Markets. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.